Hello, hello, this is Joey here. Welcome back to Droolish. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Droolish. I am your host, Joey Montano. Strangely unsynced today. That's kind of weird. If you're unfamiliar with the show, podcast, or whatever you like to call it these days, Droolish is a sleep and relaxation podcast focused on helping you sleep through the sounds of ambience noise in the backgrounds, topped with, I guess I could say my odd calming voice, supposedly, beats me. I like to talk about a variety of subjects. Generally, currently I'm kind of in a phase between some NFL talk and startups, but I still throw in additional subjects occasionally, and I do plan to add a lot more variety in the near future. However, today I know a lot of you have been waiting for this because I don't know why, but this seems to be the type of stuff that, I don't know, more and more Americans love to listen to, um, and that's sports betting, especially for the NFL playoffs. And I've been doing uh, NFL picks throughout the season, and uh, you know those have been pretty decent. But uh, over the time frame, I've been uh, you know becoming more of a fan of the sports betting uh, specifically. And over the season, as I've been making bets and tracking my own bets, uh, especially for the NFL, uh, you know, not using any model picks, just using my own due diligence and my own research, and just my love of the game uh, for the most part. Uh, at least when it comes to spreads, I've been winning at a 70% rate, which is, uh, you know, according to, I guess, most, most, sport, uh, most sports bettors, uh, to be, it tends to be, I guess, quote-unquote, crushing it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's only after, I think, about 40 bets or so, so I'm not going to say I'm the next, uh, I don't know, like the paleo sports betting or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's still a small sample size, and it c- I could just be on a heater, I just wanted to record all my bets uh, for the season just to see if I was actually good at it versus me thinking it's good. Um, And now that's tying over to the playoffs. Again, uh, I should say not again, but first and foremost, I am not a sports analyst, uh, or at least not professionally. I just do this because I love uh, researching NFL games. I love researching kind of uh, the matchups per se, but certain games in particular. uh, And I'm, I'm generally a huge fan and big advocate of team play, uh, momentum, and kind of all the, like those little intangibles that, that are coming into most of these games. And if you listen to my other uh, episodes, I do have a big a big heart for underdogs. So that might be my shortcoming, uh, because uh, I think throughout the season I had my Moneyline upset picks, which I was profitable, um, but only by one unit. So I'll describe more about all that, like the terminology and, and betting uh, as we get into it. But I wanted to make sure you guys had a good heads up on what you're going to be expecting today. With that said, uh, we're going to be reviewing last week's picks, uh, discussing that in context because I believe context matters, especially in regards to wins and losses. Uh, I think there are good quality quality bets or you know games you can bet on, and then bad picks, bad quality games, and I wanted to go over those and uh, you know make sure I have the proper callouts uh, as I see fit. So uh, yeah, so that that's kind of what I was thinking there. Uh, outside of that, since there are only going to be two games for the AFC and NFC Championship week, uh, I decided to look more into some props as well. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like just reviewing the games and talking about maybe like four or five picks maybe really isn't enough. Uh, not not just enough content, but I feel like if I still talk more about the like the props and everything else, 
it should be enough, uh, you know, it should be enough talking points for me to hopefully help you fall asleep. Uh, again, when it comes to most of this stuff, you shouldn't take what I say, uh, you know, 1000% serious. These are just my personal plays, my personal thoughts on games. And if you're going to do your own due diligence, do it when you're do it when you're awake. Don't do it before you go to bed, especially if you're having trouble sleeping. Uh, again, I really want to focus on this being a a sleeping podcast foremost. And I do get that there are certain subjects that uh, might be more of interest to other folks, and some not so much. And that's kind of why I like to talk about a variety of subjects because I I do believe and I feel like I shouldn't be able to you know hit the nail on the head on every single subject, uh, mainly because if you find every topic very interesting. You're more likely going to be listening to the podcast and hopefully uh well, the worst case scenario is that you're awake and if that's the case then you probably should listen to this throughout the day or maybe during work and kind of just have a calming and relaxing experience while you're at work uh, but primarily the way i see it is uh, when you're trying to go to sleep i really do love the white noise and again people do tend to generally yawn and get really tired when i speak yeah, it could just be how I sp- how I talk or how I speak. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some psychiatrist or one of the twenty professors that I'm pretty sure are listening and just just deciphering these podcast episodes can explain to explain it to me. I'm not famous enough or rich enough to uh, you know have my own psychiatrist and people break down the podcast. So once maybe whenever I reach that threshold of fame, some YouTube celebrity psychiatrist or armchair psychiatrist can do it for free. That'll be cool. I don't know, but either way. If you have any feedback, comments, or criticisms, I don't. I take back the criticisms. I I don't want to. I don't want to hear the haters. Uh, maybe I do. Maybe they might have points. Anyways, anyways, feedback, comments, or suggestions for the podcast. Feel free to send me an email at droolishpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also fairly active on Twitter, or at the very least, I am more more apt to looking at that more frequently. Uh, type in droolish podcast on Twitter, and I'm there. And uh, Facebook, I have a Facebook page, but I don't really use it too much, and I'd rather just stick with the email and uh, Twitter for the time being. So that's said. Let's just dive into last week's uh, conference, or sorry, divisional round games, not the wildcard divisional round games. Now I'm going to test something right now too. I am actually in the middle of a kitchen renovation, so if you hear any noises in the background, I'm actually going to be double checking, and I might have to be doing additional edits. So if the sounds a little bit off. I apologize, but uh, I'm trying to catch up on the recording days, and I'm doing a trying to do my best to stay on schedule, regardless of kind of what's going on in the background. And I can hear a lot of uh, noises, so hopefully the rain should drown it out. Generally, the rain I have is uh, I generally I generally like to have the rain that's you hear from the outside, but either it sounds like it's from a tent or from a car. Uh, I don't know. I feel like those are like the most. Uh, I guess if you're an ASMR fan or um, audio sensory, you know, music, whatever it's called, uh, ASMR, AMSR, what are those two? Big fan of those. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like those are like the pinnacle of like of white noise sounds. And uh, I'm going to try to find more additional sounds too over over the time frame uh, of like the next few few podcasts because I don't know. I, I like variety. I like to talk about. And actually, before I dive in, and I say this like two or three times before I get to the point, just side note, I always put the timestamps in my descriptions, so if you're ready just to go straight to the reviews, or, the, or say last week's recap of episodes, or picks, I should say, uh, feel free to look at that and then move ahead. And uh, yeah, just uh, one big side note that I wanted to mention, the last week my sleep quality has dramatically improved uh, overall, and by that I mean 
uh, when we talk about sleep, I mean not just being able to get sleep, but the overall, you know, wellness of the sleep you're getting, as in you're waking up, probably feeling more refreshed. Uh, I think that's a, a part of like what I would like to call, yeah, I would say like sleep content um, that I occasionally want to talk about, uh, because getting to sleep is one thing, and I know uh, probably a lot of you, if you're like me, even trying to get up is another is it's, it's its own beast of itself. Just getting up in the morning if you're able to go to sleep because you just enjoy sleeping so much once you get it. And uh, one of the big things that's changed for me, and I mentioned this, uh, I think, uh, earlier in the week, is that I've been uh, like holding off on like uh, using cannabis before I go to sleep, but I'm switching to either CBD gummies uh, and or just trying to uh, just either adjust like the temperature in my room, for example. And I've noticed pretty much about a week after, you know, I stopped using uh, cannabis for sleep, uh, I've been able to actually have more vivid dreams. Probably I've been actually able to remember all of my dreams since, uh, yeah, since like earlier in the week, so about four or five days now, which is something I've not been able to do probably since uh, about a year and a half or two years ago. So uh, for me, that's I, I consider that a big win, uh, considering someone, someone like me who I, I have ADHD, and I feel like most of my thinking and most of my work and everything else tends to come from, uh, you know, A, immersing myself in a subject or something that I'm really interested in, and B, actually dreaming, dreaming out the work that I'm doing ahead of time. And it sounds, it sounds stupid, and I get it, but, uh, but for, some, for some people who actually do or have that capability, I guess, and I think everyone does have that capability, like I, for me, I can't do any lucid dreaming. It's only recently that I can actually recall, like, literally dreaming that I'm doing work or doing something that uh yeah, something that I enjoy doing while while sleeping and uh despite the fact that I'm uh, that at night I fall asleep but I get up I can get up at 2 30 in the morning and then fall back asleep right away which is something that hasn't happened in a while um I don't know I, I think if you guys or some people here who have trouble sleeping I don't know if you guys use any aids but I, I'm always a big fan of split testing and that's kind of like my words before I actually dive into uh, the analysis and hopefully uh, you, you know, you guys could probably act upon and do the same. Um, I, you know, especially if some of you are laying in bed right now. Uh, I don't know, just uh, maybe next morning, or if you have, if there's something that uh, you feel like the the room's a little bit hot or too cool, just test that. And uh, there's also a pillow that a buddy of mine recommended a while back. That it's kind of a it's like an arc type pillow, or it's, it's kind of like a wedge pillow. And he said the same thing. He said, uh, he said, despite the fact that that pillow is pretty uncomfortable when you initially use it, um, the moment he had he used that pillow, his, his ability just to go to sleep uh, just instantly went up. And he said he was able to remember all of his dreams like vividly as well. So um, it's not just trying to get to sleep. I, you know, I also want to promote like quality of sleep on top of that. So those are my those are my sleeping words for for the day, uh, I should say. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get to the NFL picks, shall we? Or that's the NFL recap. I don't want to jump ahead, but NFL recap. So to recap the previous week, which was the divisional round, there were four matchups: uh, Vikings, 49ers, Titans, Ravens, Texans, Chiefs, and Seahawks and Packers. I must have 49ers for whatever reason. It just feels like it's all nat. It's, it's like the most natural matchup in my head. Uh, so I uh, bet four different types, and first one is Pickums, which, which if you guys are unfamiliar. Uh, I usually do Yahoo Pickums, and if you're just picking, you know, random picks with your friends, I just try to go for the most, um, you know, on paper gut reactionary picks that I think make the most sense. Um, but there really isn't anything indicative, or there's nothing really at stake outside of just bragging rights. 
So I, I wouldn't say I want to take those that like super serious there. And then there are spreads, which are the ones that I personally do uh, bets on or or strongly urge you guys or make plays. But let's be honest, I do the bets as well. Uh, and then I do money line picks, which I only do those in certain games, and, and then I pass on other ones. Uh, because I explain this uh, pretty frequently, but I'll, I'll recap it again for Moneyline. I really like to find myself uh, a good underdog pick and a good value pick at the end of the day. And uh, I'll explain the process as, I, as we uh, go over that uh, for each matchup. And then I do the over-under, which is pretty straightforward. Uh, guess whether or not the line that Vegas gives you is over or under the amount they give, and you more or less uh, you know, get your bet back. So... Uh, heading into the divisional round, I was one and three with Pickums, and uh, I believe I was three and one with spreads, one and one with uh, money line, and two and two with over under. And divisional round review, going starting with the Vikings 49ers. The Pickum I had uh, was the 49ers to uh, was to win the game, and they did, and that increased my record to two and three for Pickums. And uh, I'll just dive over the game as I as, as I see fit, so I don't want to like give a 20-minute analysis on one pick and then just go over the other picks. But as for the uh, spread, uh, the Vikings were plus seven and or yeah plus seven points. I believe the final score of that game was just a beatdown. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the score verbatim, but the Vikings did not get within seven points. As a matter of fact, I had a teaser on that, and they didn't even get within 13 points of the victory. And uh, I, this was like a bad pick on my end. I don't want to say it's a terrible pick, terrible pick. Um, if I'm just going to recap the game itself, I'm going to pull up like the score. I would pull up the score by a quarter. But I would say after the first half, it was reasonably close. It was 14 to 10. Uh, San Francisco did have a pretty good control throughout the game. I'm not going to lie. Uh, San Francisco does seem to have all three bases of their game down pat. And they are just a scary team. Uh, my miscalculation in this game, uh, specifically, was uh, my belief that Minnesota had a stronger offense than I hoped they had, and uh, and I assumed that their O line was going to help Kirk Cousins at least throw the ball downfield for, you know, at least give him like more than two seconds to operate. But I think he, I think there was a stat that said he was like hurried, like five or six times, or like sorry, he was like sacked five or six times, hurried a lot more. And Kirk's whole career, he's always been dealing with uh, poor offensive lines, and in my opinion, that tends to be um, the big, uh, the big X factor in his career because he always he always seems to throw decent numbers, um, and most of this time that he's not really stat padding. Um, I think Chris Collinsworth last week uh, on I think it was the NBC NBC broadcast, uh, he actually had a pretty good uh, split where he talked about how his performance on either Monday night games or playoff games or playing versus playoff teams compared to non-playoff teams at just any any given Sunday are virtually the same. So whatever narrative that generally is around with Kirk Cousins, uh, it tends to be false, and I'm glad that I'm glad that they pointed that out. At least they pointed it out after Kirk finally won his first playoff game, which, by the way, um, against the Saints on the road, against a which was a Super Bowl contender with everyone thought, uh, so Minnesota did beat them, like I said, prior, uh, before facing the 49ers. So I'm glad that at least the media is starting to give Kirk Cousins his due and his credit. And I think a lot has to do with just winning like a single playoff game because it's still pretty hard. 
uh, to do that. And I remember uh, Patrick Mahomes. We'll get to that game too. He, a lot of people are talking about uh, he doesn't win this game, then he probably should start being a little bit more criticized in his ability to win playoff games. But uh, I, 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 I digress there. Um, but Kirk, uh, you know, he had a decent performance, but it obviously was not enough. Uh, the, the San Francisco's defense swarmed him. Uh, 49ers between Garoppolo and everyone on their team, they're just a well-oiled machine. Uh, I, I just don't want to spend too much time talking about 49ers. I'll, I'll be talking about them uh, for this upcoming week. However, I was still off big time. Uh, they lost by 17 points. Uh, I probably would have won if I did the first half. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, this game was just... This, this game got out of hand in the second second half, so um, makes a big, big miss there on the on the spread, and I'm not a big fan of actually losing big on spreads, uh, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, I might be talking about certain types of bets in the future um, regarding spreads and picks, because I think I, there might be a big profit play that no one's really talking about, uh, but uh, I'll talk about that in the future, probably towards the end of the podcast, so stay tuned, or probably don't stay tuned, whatever. <laughs> no, but seriously though, um, I'll, I'll probably mention it fairly soon. So hopefully, it's not going to be too late, and I don't want to keep you guys up and awake. Going for the next pick, and despite me being wrong with the Vikings uh, plus seven pick, I, I'm three and two at that point. Technically, I am three. I'm technically a three, one and one, because uh, the Bills pick was uh, was plus three, but I got in at plus two and a half. Um, but I'm still counting that as a loss. But realistically, it's an actuality. Uh, at the time of the pick, I'm actually 3-1-1, one, one. but I, I'd rather treat myself, I'd rather just be harsh on myself here to say I'm 3-2 and two so far as of uh, that Vikings game. As for the money line, uh, very similar, I told, I believe uh, Vikings plus 255 was a good deal. I said that probably they win at least one out of three times, 33, the 30, you know, yeah, about 30, 35% of the time, which, uh, which makes any odds at plus 200 better, or plus 200 or better. Um, a good value uh, based on implied odds. I think the implied odds uh, indicated I think they'd have to win at least, I think, uh, bare minimum like 28 or 29% of the time. And I believe they would win between 35% of the time. They were at 35% of the time. So, uh, so again, that to me screamed like it was good value. And the whole idea of, make, of these underdog picks is to find long-term value and not immediate value. And considering there are enough games in the playoffs, uh, in this case, that, uh, for me to consider that, I still consider that a decent pick. Um, I just more or less assumed uh, that the Vikings were just going to make it close within a touchdown with a potential drive to win, and having plus 255, at least in the scenario that I had in my head, uh, would be good enough, but it was not. As for the over-under, uh, the under was 44 points, and we did hit the under. Uh, it was not the score that I wanted to have for the under, but... Uh, they scored 37 points total, so that's seven points beneath the under. And my prediction for the game uh, was Vikings 23, uh, San Francisco 20. I was way off on both. Uh, Vikings obviously scored 10 points, and 49ers scored 27. Um, but rolling back to the over/under, me being correct uh, makes me three and two as of this game. Now, the next, the following game was the Titans Ravens. I picked the Ravens to win in the Pick'em, and I think the whole world did. Well, I take that back. The whole world, at least on paper, Ravens seemed like they were going to win on this straight up. Uh, the point spread, I told you guys, just seemed very weird, and I was debating it because the plus 10 just seemed absurdly high regardless of most scenarios that I played out in my head. Uh, it just seemed that the Titans, just no matter what, 
just continue to score. They grind away. They have a decent, strong, uh, you know, defense overall. And the Ravens, uh, I think they were riding a 12-game win streak or 10, 10 or 11-game win streak. But the matchup just didn't feel right, uh, especially with Lamar Jackson still haven't really proven himself in the playoffs. So I took the Titans plus 10 because it just seemed to make the most sense. Uh, I, can't, I just couldn't imagine Ravens actually winning uh, just, just uh, yeah, by more than 10 points, even worst case scenario. And uh, we, all saw, we all saw the game where Italians just punched Ravens in the mouth and Lamar Jackson kind of just folded under the pressure. I want to say folded, he just wasn't the leader that I think a lot of people wanted him, wanted him to be. Uh, considering when they were, uh, you know, behind early, it, just, it kind of felt like the team really didn't get together. They almost felt like they were down and out, and uh, I, I, I didn't really see the fight in the team that I was hoping for. And, you know, coming from, I think, uh, Jim Harbaugh, or one of the Harbaugh's, uh, you know, for the coaching, it seemed like that was something that they would be more mentally prepared for. Uh, I think when it comes to uh, leadership, especially on the offense, that, that does have to be around the quarterback. Like, they have to be the leader. Um, they're the one that holds the ball pretty much every play. And, uh, you know, you didn't see that with Lamar Jackson uh, in that particular game. So even when uh, Titans were up a little bit, it just felt like it was a sure bet that the plus 10 was going to happen regardless. And uh, the fact that the Titans won, uh, before I hop into that money line pick, uh, but before, uh, but as the game was playing out, the plus 10 did end up winning. So that makes us 4-2. and two. For the playoffs, technically four one and one, depending on who, depending on uh, your mindset there. But four and two uh, at this point in the playoffs, going to the money line. I did make the Titans pick, and I highlighted this in orange because it was more of a cautious pick where I said this was going to be like a half unit because I felt like Titans could win this, um, but I wasn't absurdly confident because the Ravens shown throughout the season that they can be dynamic at any given point. But I think uh, someone did mention. Now, whenever the Ravens do seem to be behind, they have trouble coming from behind. So um, the Titans did what they needed to do to just shake the Ravens and just, um, you know, put them in shambles throughout the rest of the game. So if you did bet this game, this paid out. This was a plus 340. So this paid, um, you know, 3.4 units plus the original unit you would bet, uh, which uh, honestly at this point would make would make the postseason money line picks two and two with those two major underdog victories so um, at this point uh, regardless of the bets being up 6.6 .6 units with one two probably about five more games remaining uh, to talk about uh, from the divisional round conference and super bowl we would actually be winners regardless if we just were wrong every single money line pick just keep that in mind uh, and then the over under i put the over as 46.5 um, I was very disappointed in this game because uh, I thought the Titans were still going to be scoring at least 24, maybe 28 points, and they did that. They uh, they scored 20, I believe it was 28 points. I'm going to double check the score here. So, Titans, Ravens. I'm pulling this up right now. Yeah, they did score 28 points, kind of exactly what I've imagined, but. Uh, but I just was not expecting Baltimore to lay an egg, uh, especially in two of the quarters. Like first and third quarter, first and third quarter they came out flat, and it's kind of kind of hard to gain your momentum your momentum back when you're a team that's just known for just taking the lead and running with it, and not so much coming from behind. Um, so I really thought the Ravens were going to at least score more than 20 points or at least 20 points, 
Um, that was not the case here. Um, so I missed the over, sadly. Um, that was probably the most confusing one because I actually put two units at that. Um, so I think moving forward, I'm going to stick with single units because every single time I'm confident um, in a pick. Uh, I don't know why I bet more units and over-unders than spreads because historically I've been winning with spreads. Uh, you know, they, they come, it comes back to bite me. So uh, I consider this, uh, this is a bad pick bad over-under, so I, I, I apologize. Like, I, I just did not think how the game played out. I just thought, I don't want to say it's a bad pick, because they were only down by, like, we were off by six points, but it, but I just thought the Titans did what they're supposed to, and I'm just disappointed that the Ravens couldn't. Um, I don't know if other people saw that, but I, eh, I would consider this as a mediocre pick in hindsight, because, uh, I, I don't know, I felt the matchup it seemed like the Titans had a, a realistic chance, or at least a decent chance of winning the game. Especially more than like a 25 or like 20% chance that the flight odds have given. Uh, I think I said like it was similar to the Vikings. It's like a 30, 35% chance, maybe 40 um, on a good day. But we're wrong there. So at this point with over-unders for the playoffs, we're 3-3. Three and three. Um, My prediction for the game, I actually had the Ravens winning. Um, my prediction was 34-24. Um, again, when I have these predictions, these are probably the worst case scenarios. Um, and... Or be, worse or best case scenarios, I should say, because there's, there, there could be so many different finishes outside of that. But I wanted to give you guys like the, the, the worst score imaginable for me to actually justify at least the spread pick and then kind of explain why I was a little bit cautious on the money line pick and bet half a unit there. Like I said, I mentioned the Ravens probably maxing out 34 points, Titans at least 24-28. Alternatively, this still could have been a 24-28 game, but uh, in Titans' favor, but I think majority of the time I still thought the Ravens were going to win, but the money line was such a good value, and I, could, I told you guys that was probably just a strong value pick regardless, so, um, and that's why we took it. And going to the next game, we have the Texans-Chiefs reviewing that. Uh, the pick em, I said the Chiefs were going to win that, and they did, which makes my pick em record 3-4, uh, and, and then uh, the spread, uh, I had the Chiefs minus 9.5, and I was going hit or miss between the Texans and Chiefs, on this one because I thought the line was fairly close but then the more I thought and I more thought about this over time and I rarely, I rarely actually pick um, the favorites on these um, but I did here and uh, the more I kept playing it, playing it in my head I just kept screaming the Chiefs are always going to run away with it at the end of the game uh, they, they, they are ne they're known to never slow down um, however they're also known to have terrible clock management in close games so um, I also imagine Houston probably could have um, had a couple scores close as well. Uh, maybe, you know, like a garbage touchdown that would make me nervous on the game, but I wanted to stick it. I, I, I didn't want to overthink this. Chiefs were just a very strong team coming in. Uh, they kind of lost their funk in midseason, but they regained their form and probably are playing their best football right now. Same with the Titans. And Houston has just been so inconsistent, and I really didn't pay too much attention to the coaching until after the game, obviously, but a lot of people were, have been harping on the coaching. Um, on, on the Houston coaching for a while now, and I kind of missed the boat on that. Um, luckily, in our in our case, uh, the coaching was what did uh, the Texans in. As if you did see the game, uh, it did look like uh, the Chiefs minus nine and a half was going to be a far cry from ever happening. Um, but little did I know, and everyone else know, that it is possible to have two blowouts in a single game, uh, which blew my mind because after the first quarter. Even beginning of the second quarter, uh, my wife and I we turned on the TV to watch the game, and we noticed um, it was a blowout, and we're, we're just like, well, so much for that minus nine and a half. 
And then, uh, once we were making some food, not even to what, 12 minutes later, they were within three, uh, which blew everyone's mind, but at the same time, uh, you, I don't know, I had the sound on it, you could just hear the audio of, like, the crowd just keeps roaring, and I guess it all started with that, uh, it all started with that field goal attempt at, what, their own 12 with a fourth and inches, which I know a lot of people are going to get flack for, but um, I wouldn't even consider that a huge momentum switch. I'd say going for it on fourth down in, like, your own 15-yard line or something, or something absurd like that, um, like a fourth and eight, like a fake, with a fake punt was probably the worst decision, considering the decision you made before was the most cowardly decision, relative to uh, the inconsistency of that fourth down play, which made zero sense. So uh, I guess the coaching got a little bit too cute for themselves, but that certainly was uh, a big game changer. That might, that might as well have been a like a 14-point swing, uh, let's be honest, uh, because you just you killed any momentum that you would have had, and Chiefs are starting to get back into it, and they, and they, they allowed that to happen. So uh, so I, I went ahead and just like they said, um, felt like the Chiefs were still minus 9.5, and after the first half when they were up by 4, it just seemed like it was going to happen based on the momentum. Uh, we all saw it. They scored 41 straight points. Uh, you know, that's that's almost college-level abs absurdity there. And, uh, you know, we, we somehow managed to get the win there, and it was a sweat, but also a breeze at the same time, which, again, one of the weirdest games I think anyone has ever seen. Um, but we'll take it. We'll take the win, which leaves us 5-2. and two for the uh, season, or, or, you know, 5-1-1, five, five, one, and, one. and again, like I said, I'm pretty good with these spreads, I, I, I do have to say so for myself, so, um, in regards to the money line, this was a pass, um, I, I told you guys, I don't think Texans win enough, uh, especially in Kansas City, to make this good value, and I think the Chiefs line was just a little bit too low, and, uh, and I, I, I just don't like betting really, uh, really strong, you know, minus lines. I don't find those to be good values because upsets happen all the time, especially in football with any given Sunday. I passed on that, so that kept our record at 2-2 two two for Moneyline Picks. As for the over-under, I did the over at 51. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs crushed the over by themselves. No, I think they matched it by themselves, so, uh, you know, there's nothing really to worry about there after the first quarter when Houston was up 21-0. I think we all knew that Kansas City was going to have some sort of charge back, maybe score like 14 to 20 points to make it a game. Uh, it still would have been like a 21, like 31 game. Like it had things probably played out the way it was supposed to without uh, Texans screwing it up. And that still felt comfortable enough for the over. Uh, we crushed the over, which makes our record for the playoffs 4-3. and three. Uh, And then also the big note I had for the Chiefs game, uh, I wrote this too. Whenever Houston is underdog by big, they lose hard. They're only 1-4, and four, and the only win was early in the season. And this is a comeback that can pretty much break a team. I mean, we've seen this with the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl. The Texans also succumb to it as well. Uh, it just seems like there's just a lot of noise that goes on that I do think when the media pushes a narrative, it's up to the players to either negate, like, to block it out or... or or, you know, be consumed by it. And it seems like any time there's a big underdog, like like when they're at least minus, or, you know, they're, they're underdog with like a plus seven or above or plus eight, I think the media does actually talk about that, like in interviews, about how much of an underdog they are. And I think the Texans actually believe that a little bit more. Maybe the coaching too. Um, but it seems like they're just not mentally tough enough. Or at least like the coaches' discipline is just not there. Uh, I do think the Texans do have all the talent. I mean, they've shown to be 
they can win against anyone, but they're wildly inconsistent. So I, that's not a talent play. It's, it's got to be a coaching or a scheming or something. So that was the mantra we took, and uh, that's what that's what happened. So um, my prediction for the game was nowhere close. Um, I had Chiefs 33 with Texans 23. The actual game, I believe, was, uh, I think, 31. Uh, Houston, I think, 52 or some, some absurd number with the uh, Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, so way off on the prediction, but it was still assuming it was a high-scoring game. And, uh, you know, I, I played my worst-case scenario with that Chiefs game, 33-23, so I'm pretty happy with the play. And then the final divisional round game, the Seahawks and the Packers. And this was a game I hated to pick either way because I felt like it was going to be a toss-up and it was going to come down to a final drive, which I'll get to that later, but I picked the Seahawks in my pick em. I just felt like the Seahawks were slightly going to be a better team and would probably get the last drive to sneak, just to sneak away from the victory. At least that's how it played out in my head. Um, what I was bummed about in this one was the spread was Seahawks plus four. Um, this was a loss, and this was a very, this was a coin flip of winning or losing. Mainly because uh, when they were up, or when the score was, I think, 23-28, uh, after they scored the touchdown, they went for a two-point conversion, which I don't know why Carroll does this, but he just decides to, like, lollygag most of the game and then lets Russell Wilson take over in the second half. However, whenever it comes to these do-or-die situations, I, I notice they just refuse to run the ball. Despite the fact that they're a run-heavy offense, and they usually run to open up Russell Wilson later, and Russell Wilson did help with the comeback. But when it comes to these do-or-die plays, especially near the goal line, you have Beast Mode, who literally just took it in from like a yard or yard and a half out, and he like pounded his he pounded his way in for like an extra yard and a half into the goal line. Like that's more than enough to justify just running the ball. All right, you had like four chances to do it on the Super Bowl, Carol. You didn't want to do that. You had another chance to do it. You had like a few chances in the goal line that drive prior in this game. You did it. You no know, like goal line situation. Just run the darn ball, okay? We would have we would have gotten the we would have won with a plus three. But I still believe Seattle is going to have at least an additional possession, and I think a lot of us did see that footage of the very favorable spot uh, the refs gave the Packers. That was a good yard and a half short of where they marked it, but uh, it just doesn't make too much sense on on kind of how that played out, despite the fact that uh, I was pretty sure that Green Bay was going to go forward on fourth down regardless to, to ice it, but I have a whole di different theory about like the whole timing and timeout situation there too. I was pretty annoyed because Seattle did waste two timeouts in my head, it, like how it played out, uh, and they probably could have had another chance at a, at a possession. Um, my, my biggest gripe, and I'll say it right now too, because I'm probably going to talk more about this, and I really should talk more about like football strategy and timeout articles and stuff, like on Medium or whoever wants to listen. But the fact that uh, Seattle took a timeout with two minutes and I think eight seconds left, or two minutes and seven seconds left on the clock. They had three timeouts at the time, and uh, no, two timeouts at the time. And by doing that, uh, they caught. They pretty much opted to give Green Bay two choices uh, before the two-minute mark because uh, when you are, I think this was that I think that was going to be a third-down situation. Yeah, it would have been a third-down situation. That, that was the third down, I believe, or second down. That was second down. Uh, by doing that, uh, the next play would have been third down at the two-minute warning had they not called a timeout. Had you not called a timeout, you would have lost eight seconds on the clock, and that's fine. You're, you know, Seattle can score it within like 40 seconds down the field okay so the two minute thing doesn't matter you just need to get the ball back 
but if they save that timeout, uh, you would have two timeouts with the third down coming up after the two-minute warning. And if they get a first down, you can call a timeout, and timeout, you might get 20 seconds back, okay? However, what they did was they called a timeout before, hoping that they would get the first down, and that's still a valid strategy. But what they did is open up Green Bay with the ability to pass without any without any repercussion. Because a play that Aaron Rodgers can take after snap can last five to ten seconds. He can hold on to the ball and chuck it downfield and get to two-minute warning. And if it's incomplete, that's fine. It's still two-minute warning. You know, they don't gain. There's no virtual timeout gain. Like, the time's going to stop regardless. So you're not giving Seattle another down um, or another free quote-unquote timeout to, to burn. But by doing so, they left themselves in one timeout after the two-minute warning. And that was after the fact that, like, they were going to do that third down play. Uh, so it was kind of a bummer to see that because... Um, it had Green Bay still would have gotten their third down, first down. They would have, would have actually had two timeouts and not one to burn, and or the one prior, or they would have an extra timeout, which, again, would have been enough for them to at least get the ball back, worst-case scenario. Like, maybe you might have had, like, five seconds, ten seconds left, but you still would have opened yourself a legitimate chance of coming back. So I, I don't get that. Like, like, I don't know why coaches ever call timeout when there's, like, two minutes and 10 seconds left in, you know in any any scenario because you can pretty much you know with enough time go risk-free without a you know without stopping the clock if you're on the offense um, trying to run out the clock so I, I don't get it and yeah that's just my side rant uh, about the game and I have you know losing, losing by that close clearly I had there's some bias there but um, as for the money line I did fix Seahawks to one of the money line like I said I thought this was a coin flip and any any situation where it's a flat-out coin flip, especially with the Seahawks that have been road warriors that win at the end of games, uh, it's it's a good it's a good play regardless. So um, we didn't we didn't get that one, so that's a loss, which makes us two and three total after the divisional round. But again, after minus three picks, we're already up. Uh, yeah, we are already up uh, 6.6 .6 units, taking away the three. We're only up 3.6 units. Regardless if we get the next three money line picks wrong or right, we're going to be profitable. Um, so, you know, congrats to us. As for, oh yeah, the uh, Seahawks game, the over-under, I had the under at 47. Uh, the under did, I believe, have it happen. So we managed to get that. No, we didn't. No, 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 no. No, no, this game kind of went out of control, I believe. So Seahawks and then Packers. I want to double check this one. I, like I said, I record everything on here. Yeah, it was 23-28, so they scored 51. Um, did not get the under, so that makes us 4-4. Four and four. My prediction for the game was Seahawks 23. Correct. Unfortunately, the Packers did score more points, so uh, that's that's kind of how I saw it. And funny enough, I kind of had the 23 points because I just thought the Packer, the Seahawks were going to mess up a two-point conversion um, to try to get a six-point lead um, in case the Packers are going to come back, so... Uh, that's kind of spooky um, that the scenario that the Seahawks scenario played out in my head but not the scenario of them coming from behind to get close I thought they were trying to ice the game and get and you know uh, try to force Green Bay into getting a touchdown with a sliver chance of them missing a field goal to tie it so or the extra point to tie it in my prediction head scenario so uh, a little bit bummed about that game that was like a that was a huge over um, over and we were only a, we were only a possession away from getting two two and one in that in that game and not over three. Uh, but overall, 
for the playoffs for the money line. I'm three and five for the pickums, I should say. The spreads, I'm five and three or five, two and one, uh, depending on the bill spread when you got that in. And then two and three for the money line, but will be profitable regardless. And then uh, four and four for the over under. So moving forward, you guys probably just you can you guys can probably just negate like any of my picks except for probably the money line and spreads at this point. Uh, but now we're talking about this coming week's games. I'm excited, guys. There are only two games, and we're going to go over the games first, and then we're going to go over props. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we get to it. But uh, for the matchup of the Titans and Chiefs, uh, this is going to be a very interesting matchup because these are two red-hot teams at the moment. And, uh, you know, Henry has been for the Titans, just been a godsend, and so has Tannehill. Uh, I feel like their offense is actually dual threat. And the last game that the Titans and Chiefs faced off each other with, uh, it was a, it was a shootout, I believe. Uh, I think both teams scored, I think, 30, or maybe the score was like 28 to 33. Uh, Titans just tend to put up 28 points occasionally almost every week now. Uh, Tannehill, I think, had three touchdowns. Mahomes had four touchdowns with 446 yards. Uh, I think this is going to be a shoot, like the flat-out shootout. And because of that, I'm still going to pick the Chiefs and the Pick'em. However, when it comes to the spread, the Titans are plus 7.5. And if the spread goes lower than, I'd say, if, it, if the spread goes plus six and a half, I might be going against the Chiefs. But as of now, when I made these picks, the Titans are plus seven and a half. So that's going to be my, my line. And I think the hard line here is seven points. Uh, I think this is going to be a swinging game and one team or the other is going to be scoring touchdowns. I think if this game ends up going to overtime, uh, a team's going to win just stri strictly through probably the first possession touchdown. So... Uh, anything that's plus six makes me nervous. Plus six and a half, I still kind of bit nervous, but likely um, plus seven for the Titans, I feel decent with. Plus seven and a half Titans, looking good. Uh, the opening line was, I think, plus nine and a half, which I probably should have gotten, gotten in on the opening line. Uh, but I make all my picks midweek, just because I think um, that's probably where like the lull happens, and you guys are more likely to get the picks in before like the last minute rush or like any last minute line changes. So again, we're probably losing some uh, EV out of that, and that's expected value or long-term ROI. I think they're also called that like CLV if you're really into the sports betting world, um, and I don't want to talk about that. But um, but the Titans are plus 7.5. I can't imagine this being a low-scoring game. I, like I said, I can't imagine this being a high-scoring, swingy game. Um, the Titans' defense is something that will probably slow Kansas City down to where they're not going to score 51 points, and it probably will be something more along the lines of uh, I don't know, like 28 to 30 points scored, probably max from Kansas City. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but maybe like 35 or something like that. But I can't go against Texans plus 7.5. That feels like a good good value overall still. Uh, and I can't imagine, I can, I can certainly imagine scenarios where they're down by 10, but still uh, needing a touchdown to get in. And if you want to buy the plus half and get the plus 8, I don't blame you. I may do that as well. But in my scenario that I have, I feel like they're only going to be down by, like by 10 points at worst with probably getting a field goal in to try to get close at the end of the game um, as I see fit, like it, it, assuming uh, Chiefs are able to uh, continue their streak. And then for the money line, the money line has the Titans at plus 290, which, uh, which almost implies pretty much that the Titans have to win one out of four times, just a little bit more than that. Uh, but 
uh, for to, to make it valuable. And the way I see this game, I feel at the end of the day, this is probably a 35-65 where Titans win 35% of the time, maybe 40% of the time. Uh, they are a really hot team right now and a very streaky team, and they have a lot of the pieces together, um, especially defense and offense. And I think that might be something the Chiefs will have to run into. And um, the big thing is, though, the Chiefs have shown last week compared to the Ravens, uh, you know, when Holmes was punching them out down 24 points, uh, he was the guy, he was the leader that everyone wanted, like that everyone expected him to be. Him and his team got together and they made stuff happen. And they, you know, blew up with 28 points. And the same thing, uh, you know, compare that to the Ravens where they were down early and they had started out slow. Uh, nothing really came to fruition. So, uh, you know, there's a big difference in mindset and the tight, the, the Chiefs have just shown, like, that they're never out, period. Uh, and they firmly believe that they can win any game, regardless of the team, the situation. And that's just scary. So... Uh, you know, I can never give the Titans actually a winning percentage here, uh, regardless. And even though the Titans do have the lead, I still kind of expect Kansas City to make it pretty close, maybe near the end. The only thing that I can imagine that will bungle the Chiefs in this case is if uh, Andy, Reed's, Andy Reed's clock management uh, or game management ends up getting uh, biting them in the butt. Uh, but generally, when it comes to high-scoring close games, uh, Chiefs tend to lose a lot more. Uh, I think this is probably when they won last week. I think that was probably like their first or second game. I think in the Reed Mahomes era that they've actually won a game by scoring more than 50 points. So their defense is still suspect and the Titans just, I feel like matchup wise, it's a perfect chance to beat the Chiefs. Uh, realistically, I might add. So plus 290, I think that's an absurd value. Uh, even plus 200, I would still consider that would be a good pick. So plus 90, I have to take that every single time. The over-under for the game is 52.5, which is the highest uh, overall, and I can't imagine this game being... I, I just can't imagine Titans scoring less than 23, 24 points, and I can't imagine the Chiefs scoring less than like 28 to 30 points this game. So even just adding those up, that still crushes the over. I'm picking 52.5 as the over. That's the current line. And that's my, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, the overall prediction for the game, I, I think this is going to be a super close one. Um, I wouldn't doubt the Titans to win this. Uh, probably like another last drive thing, but I'm going to give Chiefs the credit that they deserve, that they're probably going to evolve from the year before, year prior, especially with Mahomes around. Um, they're going to win 40, or sorry, 34 to 33 um, in a thriller. That's, that's, that's my scenario that I'm planning out in my head. As for the next game, uh, Packers versus 49ers. I feel like this is going to be a repeat of the 49ers Seahawks, or you know that the Seahawks game. Uh, Packers went ugly, but the 49ers have been a complete team. But it just seems like the Packers just know how to win and when to win, which makes me very nervous. So because of that, uh, I think 49ers aren't going to run or aren't going to shut down Green Bay as they do in Minnesota. I think uh, Packers are actually are, are like at least one tier ahead of Minnesota at the moment. Uh, they have more of a complete team. Uh, the Packers plus seven and a half just doesn't make too much sense. And, uh, sorry, yeah, too much sense to be that big of a line, so I, I have to take that spread. It just seems too big. Uh, I will get nervous again, both Titans and Packers. The moment it gets uh, plus six and a half, I'll be very nervous, but plus seven or plus seven and a half is still a good line. Um, so at the time, uh, I made this picks plus seven and a half for both. Um, I think those are solid ones. As for the money line, again, this is a, going to be a value pick. Uh, Packers have just won ugly. That, that's it. 
and the 49ers have lost a few close games, but they're both like pretty strong like teams, and they know how to close out. And I think this is still going to come down to a final drive. And I don't know how many times have I said this, but like when it comes to final drives, it, final drives that feel like they're more 50-50, any line that's plus 200 plus, like especially for a strong team like the Packers, is a stupid value. Okay, so it's a stupid good value, and I have to take the Packers just on principle there. Um, and and if we're looking for like long term, if we're looking for short term immediate wins, then I probably would would not bet this at all. But I'm a, I'm a value pick guy, where I try to see the edges, I try to see the team momentums, and I try to see how they win, and how their styles mesh when they play each other. And I can't imagine the Packers for Anders being um, either, like I said, a, a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. I, 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 this this game has so many possibilities um, in regards to the score, and I don't like that. But because of that, I still think the Packers do win this at least 35, 30 to 35 percent of the time, which is still more than enough to justify the plus 280. Um, they might even sneak into the 40 range, depending on like the day. If, if it's like colder out, honestly, I feel like the Packers might actually have a little bit of an advantage. But uh, but still, or the advantage, they'll, they'll have more of an advantage. They'll still be a disadvantaged team, but just they'll have that slight edge to make them uh, more likely to win, I believe. So, the back of the Packers at plus 280. As for the over-under, this is going to be the first one that I'm passing on. I think the um, line is at 45, and uh, I, I just don't know. I, I can't predict this game. Uh, it's just too much. Uh, the history, like, this can easily be a 12-7 game, a 12-15 game. This could be a 28-20 game, um, or 20, you know, a 23-24 game, 23-20, uh, or, you know, a 30-12 game. Like, it, they're... There are so many possibilities that are realistic in this game. I can't pick an over/under, um, so this is actually going to be my first pass on an over/under because I, there's just I just don't have enough information, uh, especially on their play styles. It can vary week to week. It's just way too swingy for me to be comfortable with the pick there. However, the prediction that I have, I think this is still going to come down to the wire. Uh, I have the 49ers winning this game, 23 to 21, and. Uh, I think it's probably just going to sound to the Packers at the end if they can probably get their field goal, get get uh, get Crosby out, and uh, get yeah get Mason Crosby out for a game-winning attempt. Uh, I think that's what it's going to boil down to. This could be a 24-23 game Packers, and if that's the case, that goes that beats the over. But if they miss the field goal, that's going to you know get the under. And again, I don't like I don't like these scenarios. So uh, so I I don't like I don't like I don't like over/under. Uh, I think the prediction is going to be fairly close in the 20s for both teams. And that's what we have for the uh, the conference championship. So, uh, and then what, what we talk about playoff props. I made at least a few props here, uh, about six. There are technically three prop. These are one, two, three, four props that um, there are four, four props that are more favored, and three that are not favored. Uh, for example, the first one that I have, and all these are going to be for the Kansas City Tennessee game. I do not have any props of the Green Bay 49ers game because I've one have not spent enough time researching both teams. Two, both teams seem to be wildly consistent game over game. Three, yeah, it's the same thing. I, I, I'd rather just focus on the teams that I'm used to and, and I, I actually watch more frequently, which is Kansas City of Tennessee. So, um, so I'm only going to focus on this game for the props. In these props, you can bet half units, full units, whatever. And if you're so far, if you're this far into the podcast and you're still wondering, oh yeah, what's a unit? Well, I'll tell you what a unit is. A unit is a denomination that's set on you 
uh, whatever you feel like it. Or if you're more of a sports better, it's a unit. It's a unit is a percentage uh, off of your bankroll. So for, for so for so for some professional sports betters, one unit could be one percent of your bankroll. And if you're kind of an average Joe, one unit could be five dollars or ten dollars or whatever you just feel like you consider your consistent bets. Um, you know that you're comfortable with. So uh, we do that because it helps us better identify, you know, our general net wins and losses uh, long term. And it kind of keeps us in check of, you know, uh, how much should we bet over and over again if you're going to be betting more frequently. So uh, the Kansas City, Tennessee game, I'm going to go over these bets in order and I'll give you some logic why. Uh, for Tannehill, I uh, have him plus 18 yards rushing. And I just so you know, I'm making all my bets in this case on uh, on on betonline.ag. Uh, the my bookie that AG does not have any props available for these games. Uh, they might have it later, but I'm just going to stick with the props that, uh, that have been shown up to this point when I did my research. So I have Tannehill uh, plus 18 yards rushing. A uh, similar game with Kansas City. Tannehill does actually show the ability to run, and he can run fairly frequently um, when he's able to, uh, you know, have time in the pocket and whenever they're whenever whenever they are able to leverage uh, Henry. Uh, it makes a lot of sense too. And uh, the last game in Kansas City and Tennessee, I think he rushed for like 33, 34 yards. I'm not going to say he's going to rush a lot, but he does tend to run fairly frequently, especially in these, in, in these quote-unquote high-scoring affairs. So the line for that currently is minus 113, which isn't egregious. And I think that's, I think that's likely to happen this game. Uh, and then the other one for the Tennessee specifically is uh, Henry. I have two props on him, and one of them is uh, Henry is going to run for at least a plus 111 yards, which I think against Kansas City's defense is very likely. Uh, the fact that the line is minus 117 um, is really strong, and uh, Henry has just been beastly. He's been averaging like a, what, 150 or, or 160 games. Uh, the last game against Kansas City, he ran for, I think, 186 yards and like 30 carries. He is just a beast at this moment, and he's hot right now. He's just on fire. No one can stop him. Uh, if Kansas City stops him, then I think Tennessee uh, is going to have a lot of trouble. But the line is minus 117, and him rushing for at least 111 yards is very doable. Um, and I probably would max that out, though, but um, maybe at like 150, uh, depending on the odds. But like for standard like favorable odds here, plus 111 yards, I think it's realistic. Um, then I have another Henry prop, and this is where it, these are becoming more like underdog picks here, the underdog prop picks. So you guys do not have to make these picks. These are the ones that I really like personally. And the other one is Henry rushing for at least 140 yards. I think I think 140 to the 150 range is probably where Henry is going to, going to end up. Uh, and the plus 141 yards, the line is uh, plus 156. And again, I still think that's still like a coin flip, and since it's going to be uh, plus 150, and I really do think that's going to be a profitable uh, prop play. It's going to take a while for him to get to it, or maybe not. Who knows? He might he might break that in the first half. Um, so I have that, and then I have two uh, two here for Mahomes. And the first one I think is fairly easy when the line is kind of weird here. Um, is Mahomes throwing for at least 320 yards passing? I just believe he's going to go off and throw for like 350, 380. Um, maybe it was in the 400. Uh, the previous game that he had, he almost threw for 450 yards. Mahomes has been on fire throughout the playoffs. I think he hasn't thrown an interception yet. Um, despite his first loss, I think last year, he has been lights out in the playoffs. 
I think pulled for 320 is almost a gimme, and the line is minus 101. So I don't know what Vegas is thinking there, but if you guys can get that plus 320 line almost at break even, uh, snap take that one. Like that one I'm feeling very confident in. And then I decided to go a little bit frisky here um, and go for Mahomes also for plus 370 yards passing, which the line is plus 250. I think this one isn't as likely. He still might throw in like the 350 to the 380 range. But I, I do think the lineup being plus 250 for plus for having plus 370 yards passing when he's shown the capability to throw for plus 375 regularly and with the Texans or with the Titans previous matchup of throwing for 440 yards. Um, I don't see any rushing playmakers and with like Tyree Kill just, just tossing up there and Kelsey is probably going to go off. I can't imagine um, him throwing for less, especially when I believe this is going to be a high scoring affair um, despite Tannehill's. Uh, defense, uh, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Tennessee's uh, defensive prowess. And then there are two more. This is, so these ones are probably a little bit more far-fetched, but uh, the tight end for the Tennessee Titans, uh, I think it's Andrew Furkter, uh, or Furkser, I can't pronounce it. I have two props on him, and I say this because it's a very interesting line because uh, as a tight end, uh, as a tight end, I don't think he's gotten. I think he might be a bite back in tight end, or maybe he's a blocking tight end. Um, he's gotten a, a couple of receptions every once in a while in a couple games, but uh, the line here is if he's able to get two reception, and this is Furkster, uh then the line pays minus two twenty-one. He has to at least get two. That's the line. He's gotten a couple, a few times this season, but I think in this game, uh, this is going to be fairly. I think Tannehill is just going to focus on like short pass, like focus on Henry, take advantage of short passes, and just take advantage of any openings that Kansas City opens up. I think two is very doable. Um, the one that's very far, very far fetched though is the line for plus three receptions or three plus receptions, so he can throw for three or get three or more. Um, the line pays for plus two thirty one, which um, going from a minus one twenty one to plus two thirty one is a huge swing, huge swing. Uh, for another reception so uh, in regards to playoff football and trying to beat a massive massive behemoth in Kansas City um, when you're Tennessee I think uh, Tennessee is going to go plus out all the stops maximize all their talent I think three receptions is plausible um, two I feel is more likely but um, the three with the money lineup or sorry with the line of plus 231 is something that's probably worth taking um, though you might want to go half unit there or at least that's my plan um, to see where that ends up. So, um, you know, a lot of my playoff watching and sweat's going to be on Kansas City this week um, because I think it's going to be an entertaining matchup and just, I, I don't know, I think everyone's going to be loving that game. And, you know, for I think for, like, scoring entertainment value, I think the Kansas City, or sorry, the 49ers-Packers game um, probably will be just a good matchup in general, but I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. But uh, there you have it, folks. Uh, we picked... Uh, what's eight different plays for this weekend and then one two three four five six seven different playoff props uh, we'll get to review that next week and uh, we'll see where we go from there i think uh, next week i'll probably spend some time talking about the super bowl matchup and then this might be a two-parter which might be like uh, some of the game props and then player props that might appear so yeah i think that's how it's going to be so next week uh, let's let's spend some time. I'll spend some time talking about game props and game matchups, similar to what I've been doing now. And then the following week, we'll probably have a props version or dive deeper into the matchup. 
Uh, it's going to be two weeks uh, after that, so I want to keep at least more of the betting consistent, or, or, or this consistent throughout the playoffs. After the playoffs, I don't know if I'm going to be doing any more uh, more betting or picks types. Uh, I think the NFL format is absolutely perfect when it comes to these types of uh, episodes, because I don't know how frequently you guys listen to each episode. I don't know if you listen to it like once a night. Um, I also don't want my content to be um, super topical or super trendy. Um, to where, like, you have to listen to the, my podcast this specific day and then try to get your bets in, like, that night or two nights from, or two nights from then. Uh, I like to focus on events specifically. So, there you have it. Um, I'm, I think I might talk about different strategies, too, with certain bets that I do, especially with the UFC or MMA. Um, I found that to be pretty profitable if you're able to look at, like, the correct lines. But overall, I hopefully you guys have enjoyed the podcast or if you're still awake hopefully you can get some z's uh, make sure maybe to take your um, cbd gummy um, take a look at that pillow i mentioned i'm going to include that in the description as well and uh, you guys can take care and dream easy